doctors don't have a clear understanding of it. It started opening up my mind to like, how does the human body work? This is a real thing that really affects people. This is a major pain. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Sarah about keratoconus. This disease affects the cornea of the eye. It causes the cornea to thin and bulge over time, which causes increasingly blurred vision. If losing the ability to see wasn't enough, in severe cases, keratoconus can actually cause your eye to rupture. As you'll hear in this discussion, there are many things that can be done for keratoconus, uh, including vision aids to help as your vision worsens and procedures aimed at slowing the progression of the disease. But when those fail, the ultimate treatment is a cornea transplant. And Sarah has had cornea transplants in both eyes. Sarah is a wonderful person, an incredibly talented performer and singer. Uh, she's a very good friend of my partner, Andy, and she and I have become friends over the years. And I was so excited to have her come on the show and share her story. She and I have talked a little bit about what she's been through with her eyes over the years. And every time she talked about it, it was like, wow, you have experienced a lot. I mean, this sounds pretty intense. So to finally get the chance to sit down and hear the whole story was really exciting for me. I'm really fascinating. This is another one of those really rare diseases and really rare treatments um, that, you know, I find so interesting to get to sit down and talk to people about what they've been through. So I'm, I'm sure you're going to enjoy this episode. I have some exciting announcements and thank yous to share with you at the beginning of the show today. First of all, we have our very first producer through Patreon. So, Steve Cavanaugh, thank you so much for becoming a producer of the Major Pain Podcast. Steve is an accomplished hip-hop producer. Shout out to Higher Minds on Spotify. And he's been a great friend since college, and I'm just so honored that he chose to support this podcast. Steve is the very first person to sign up on Patreon at the $25 a month producer level, so I will be thanking him at the beginning of every podcast for as long as he is a producer of the show. This is our third patron for the podcast. We now have one patron at each tier available on Patreon, and with Steve signing up at the producer tier, I'm relieved to tell you that this podcast is no longer losing money every month. We are now self-sufficient. Our three patrons are covering the basic costs that I have as far as hosting, producing the show, and you know, it's only about 30 bucks a month for me to host the show, but I have no job. <laughs> I'm still in the middle of applying for disability and I cannot afford anything. So it's such a relief for me to have that support coming in. And now we can start building and hopefully generate a little bit of income as I continue the process of applying for disability and hopefully becoming self-sufficient in my life. <laughs> uh, this is a, a huge first step. I really, really appreciate it. I want this show to go on as long as possible and to reach as wide of an audience as possible. And in order to do so, I have to make sure that I can afford to create it. So, um, so this support is so appreciated. If you would like to become a supporter of Major Pain, there are three tiers on Patreon from $2 to $7 to $25 a month. You can learn more at patreon.com slash Podcast. Speaking of applying to disability, I just wanted to share this real fast. The process is rolling right now. They're actively seeking more information about me and Andy and I just spent the day filling out these giant packets <laughs> 
I had two 12-page packets to fill out, all handwritten, describing my daily activities, you know, how has my life changed since because of my illness, and what what jobs did I used to have, and how has my physical ability changed since having those jobs. And all of the questions are so hard to answer because, for me, it changes every day. Some days I'm fairly functional, and other days I'm just on the couch and can't think straight and can't function, can't use my body, and just having to catalog all of it was so hard. And they only gave us 10 days from the time that the letter was dated to the time that it was due, or they would just close my account. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> um, and and then we had to fax it in. So I faxed in, let's see, uh, 48 pages, and it cost $68. I had no idea that faxing cost that much money. So I didn't find that out until we'd finished faxing everything over at the UPS store up the street. Last time I faxed something, I think was almost a decade ago, and it cost like 25 cents per page. So I was completely unprepared for the fact that it cost, I think, $1.25 per page to fax something. Because how often do you need to fax something? There's no email address. I can't upload documents. I can't email anything to the people assessing my disability claim. I had to fax everything or mail it. And because I was only given 10 days and I didn't even get the letter until it was already late, I had to just fax it over. So, insanely stressful. The whole process is so difficult and so stressful and the questions that they ask are so non-specific and I you know answering each of them was like racking my brain and you know I know that I'm going to get denied for disability that's very expected to be denied the first time especially without a diagnosis I know it's a real long shot to be approved and I'm probably going to have to reapply and you know if I have any luck maybe I'll get a diagnosis and maybe there'll be treatment and maybe I won't need disability at all I mean that's that's the dream. <laughs> Life is weird, and applying for disability is hard. And if anyone out there has had to do it before, it sucks, and I feel you, because I'm going through it right now, and it's so stressful. It feels so unfair that that stress is not just mine, but also put on my girlfriend, Andy. I mean, filling, filling out that paperwork for Andy was really difficult as well, because she had to, you know, answer questions about how is your partner every day? You know, what, what, what is his day like? What does he do? What, how has his illness affected him? And it's hard enough to answer that about myself, but to answer that about someone that you love is so difficult. And I'm just so grateful that she was willing to do that. Um, and man, it's, you know, the whole process just feels so impersonal and incomplete. And I just wish that there was some way for them to send an observer and just see my life and see how I live and understand what I'm going through, because trying to describe it is so difficult, especially when you're, you know, handwriting something in a tiny box. <laughs> it's just, I, I don't know. It is what it is, and we're just trying to make do. I'll keep you updated, fingers crossed, but we're very much expecting to be denied on the first try. Anyway, back to the announcements and the thank yous and all that stuff, so we can get into this episode with Sarah. We've had a couple of new five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. As I keep saying, that's one of the best ways to support the podcast. And, you know, I, I did a sci-fi podcast for five years. Sarah was actually a part of that in the Space Nerds podcast era. And I, it's just so hard to get people to leave positive ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. And I'm just so grateful for, the, for all of them. Thank you so much. And we even got a new review on Apple Podcasts. So let me read that to you. This review is from Mama of Viv. Thank you. 
As a mother of someone who deals with chronic illness, this podcast is a breath of fresh air. It's fabulous to hear all of your guests discuss their challenges, but it's even more inspiring to hear how they manage to set their challenges aside and just live a great life. Thanks for bringing out the best in your guests. Thanks for inspiring me to do better and to think in a more positive way about health challenges. Thank you so much for that review. It means so much. And yeah, the more I do this, the more I realize how much room there is for joy inside of health challenges, inside of chronic illness. Your life can still be defined by joy and by family and connections and community. And there's just so much positivity that can still be experienced, even if you are in pain every day. And I'm learning that more and more uh, for myself and from my guests and you know, from the from the feedback that I'm getting, and it just feels so good. It's just so nice. This has become such a source of joy in my life, and I just appreciate everyone who's listening to this and coming on the show so much. I've been working towards building a social media presence for this podcast on Instagram and TikTok, and I'm excited to say that we've crossed 500 followers on TikTok, and we're getting close to 100 followers on Instagram. On both platforms, you can find us at Major Pain Podcast. And I wanted to share a comment that I got on episode 14 of the show, where Andy and I talked about our trip to Tahoe. So this was on Instagram. Hipster Leia comments, this was so amazing to listen to. I'm so glad you had an amazing trip. This gave me so much hope for my future too. Thanks for putting this podcast together. Um, Hipster Leia, thank you so much for commenting. Comments like that just really keep me going. They keep me energized and just feeling so good about this podcast and you know generating some positive vibes in the universe. So it's really crucial for me as as a creator to to know that that's happening. So I really appreciate anything like that. Thank you. And I also want to thank all of the people that have been interacting on TikTok. It's a really powerful platform for building community and Everyone that I've interacted with on that platform has been incredible. A few of them are going to come on the show coming up in the near future and it's just been a, another lovely way for me to feel less isolated and less alone in my own illness. Um, I, you know, it's just changed so much in my life. My life has changed so much just in the last couple months since starting this show, feeling a sense of community around something that had been so private and also getting a wheelchair and getting a lot of my mobility back and being able to go do things for the first time in about five years. I'm just feeling very positive and fortunate. So, all of you are a part of that. If you're listening to this show, you are a part of that directly. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right, let's get into our conversation with Sarah about her rare eye condition, keratoconus. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Jesse. I'm so excited. It's been a while since we podcasted together. It's been a long time, but this feels right. Right? Like, oh, I'm, I'm home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you were uh, part of the Star Trek Club on the Space Nerds podcast. Yes, Star we, Trek Club. We would watch new episodes of Star Trek Picard and then chat about them right after. Mm -hmm. And you and Andy would always sing songs. We would always make up a, a song based on what happened in the episode. Yes, it was fantastic. Thank you. And I mean, we got suggestions. Y'all jumped in here and there, which was always lovely. We tried. Doug and I are not as, uh, what what's the word? Im improvisationally inclined <laughs> as you and Andy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's great to be podcasting yeah, again. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> uh, so Sarah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, I'm Sarah. I use she/her pronouns. Um, I like to tell people that I am a 
extroverted Libra Hufflepuff. And that <laughs> usually gets a pretty clear picture of like, oh, okay, like very energetic uh, people person, very empathetic. Um, I am a performer, mostly singer, actor, um, mostly musical theater. I do currently work for a tech company because theater is on hold for the time being. So I was like, what else am I going to do? And it was like tech. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm going to do, which has been really fun. Uh, and overall, yeah, I'm a human who's in this world trying to figure it out. And by having community and loving people and trying to continue to learn to love myself. Wow, that's fantastic. What a beautiful description. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we know a little bit about you, Sarah, what is your major pain? Yes, my major pain is I have an eye condition called keratoconus. Pretty much. Keratoconus. Keratoconus, yeah. Which really sounds like an alien planet from the Dune <laughs> franchise. <laughs> right. Who's Dune? Oh, Dune. That This is a, <laughs> <it's> a long... <laughs> I'm like, okay, we got to save yes. that for the next episode. Uh, a series of novels by Frank Herbert, a movie from like the 80s, which is just an all-time iconic, weird, amazing sci-fi movie. And there's a new one coming out, like a, a new Dune movie made by, uh, I don't know how to say his name, but uh, Denise Villeneuve, I'm ah. sure I butchered that, who directed Arrival and Blade Runner. 2049 oh. and this is now a sci-fi podcast i, know, See, I, I, can't, like, I can't stop never mind <laughs> no anyway. i mean I, I asked the question knowing that i was gonna get the answer <laughs> there's a lot of sandworms and it's uh you know it's fantastic and a pretty and karateconis i guess karateconis <laughs> absolutely is on dune wow karate what a crazy name for a condition karateconis yeah i have no idea why <laughs> i tried to look it up and was like you know these are there's too many big words here yeah so like, well, no. well, what is karateconis so it's pretty much an eye my understanding is it's an eye condition where your cornea uh kind of uh, what's the word i'm looking for like not disappears, but like thins Ooh. and is like the wrong shape. So your mm. cornea is usually kind of like an oval shape that goes around your eye. And mine is the shape of a blob. And pretty much if it gets too bad, it can scar the rest of your eye. And like, um, oh, what's what I'm looking for? Not evaporate. I'll think about it later. <laughs> we'll be at the end of the podcast. So I'll be like, oh, what's this word? Is it disintegrate? Kind of. Yeah. The, where the cornea it, itself starts to disintegrate? Yeah, it starts to disintegrate and like can like scar your pupil and like wow. scars itself and so that's what blurs my vision versus i mean i also have astigmatism in my eyes um but this is a condition where if it gets worse your eye could rupture oh and my you would God. need a new one so a new eye yeah like, like or like, like a, a, glass a glass eye yeah wow that sounds horrifying yeah, it is. It's something that can, it, and it's something actually that usually happens in older people. It usually happens later in life. So yeah. the fact that for me, it happened way younger was kind of a surprise. And yeah. like, okay, this, and it, uh, it, it, it sped up pretty fast. Wow. What, do you know anything about what causes this to happen? I do don't they say that it can be genetic but it's okay. not in my family so i'm definitely the first to it happen to wow that's so frustrating so yeah how does that affect your vision 
Uh, well, it, it still blurs your vision, but more extreme. Like I definitely at a time could not read, see anything. I mean, like I could still see, but it was extremely blurry to the point where even like I couldn't wear glasses because that wasn't enough. It, mm-hmm. I needed something right on the cornea to correct it. Wow. And if it gets too bad, you have to have surgery or a replacement, which is what I did. A replacement cornea. Yeah, I had a cornea transplant. Wow. Okay, we have so much to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When did this happen? When did this first start for you? And is it in both eyes? It is in both eyes. I believe it started in one and then... The other one, I think, got FOMO and was like, me too. Or it was not as bad in my right eye. Like, it was very uh, minimal. I found out, I want to say in my early 20s, because I didn't even start wearing glasses until, like, late in high school. I remember being like, hey, mom, I'm having a hard time seeing the whiteboard at school. And she was like, okay, let's go to the doctor. And they're like, oh, yeah, you should wear glasses. So I had glasses for a while, and then I just needed a new prescription. This is probably when I was, like, 22, 23, I would say. And so I just went to a generic, you know, like eye place where you can just go. They'll do a quick look and give you a glasses prescription. And he was like, oh, I can't help you. You have keratoconus. I was like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) And he was like, oh, yeah, like you have this eye condition. You need to go to your eye doctor. And was so like nonchalant, like, oh, yeah, like your eyes kind of like disintegrating. But like, yeah, just go to your doctor. I was like, okay. So I went to my eye doctor and he was like, oh yeah, you totally have this. Um, Right now it's severe, but there's a specialist in, at the time I, my eye doctor was down South. So he was like, there's an eye doctor in Federal Way who works on this, like go to him, he'll help you. Which we did. And at the time they were starting a new study where they pretty much freeze your cornea where it is so that it doesn't progress. Wow. And at the time, though, it was new. So he was like, you could be a part of the the clinical trial. It would be too grand out of pocket because it's not insured if you want to do this. And I was like, this just sounds like you want me to be a lab rat for you. Like, you want me to pay you to use me as a lab rat. Right. Exactly. And he was one of the leads of the study. So, like, he was very passionate about it. And so my mom and I both very much felt like. I I don't know if this is actually a cure or if you just need more people to do this and that, I fit yeah. the criteria. That sounds terrifying. Oh, yeah. So we didn't do it. We were yeah. like, no, we're not going to do this. Um, so what ended up happening is I have to have these special contacts, which are RGP uh, glass, something glass permeable contacts, I believe. And it's their literal glass. The ones that I had at first were probably the size of like a pebble, like very small, only cover the cornea. But you need the direct contact on the cornea to see, to do the work. Um, That's why glasses don't work. That's why regular contacts don't work, because the way the glass is, it has like a special kind of something that helps the eye and like helps it to uh, stop the progression of the disease. Okay, so this glass contact, is it inside the eye or just placed on top of the eye? It's just placed on top. It's like a regular contact, but just think glass and like tiny. So like it was very hard where you had to like, I had to stick it at the bottom of my eye and then like push it up onto my pupil. I can't even imagine. I only had to put contacts on once in my life. And it was so hard. Like, yeah, oh my gosh. It's so freaking hard to put contact yeah, lenses in. Yeah, I tried to get regular contacts before all of this. Yeah. And like, I cried because I was like, how do people do this all the time? I so know. then when I got these glass ones, I was like, I couldn't even put in regular contacts. How am I supposed to do these ones that are smaller yeah. and harder to get out, right? You have to like, to get it out, <laughs> you had to like, 
push your eyelids or like pull them out of the sides and it would pop out in your hand. So you had to make sure you catch it because they can shatter. It is glass and you would have to buy another one. Wow. And, and it, you, they're not bendable at all, I'm assuming. These like, ones like a regular were, contact. A, yeah, the, not like a normal contact where it's just kind of flimsy. They yeah. had maybe like the tiniest bit of give, Okay, but they were still glass. They were tiny. And then I also had a part of Crotoconus is a dry eye condition because of like, it's not producing like the same amount of like mucus or whatever. Like the tear ducts aren't doing the um, same amount of work. And so I would tell them like, Hey, my eyes get like really dry to the point where they burn because I can feel the glass rim on my eye and it hurts. And they'd be like, I'll just use liquid tears. You're fine. (laughs) Like, it's fine. It's fine. And then eventually later, we'll get to that later, but later down the road, I went to someone else and they were like, Oh yeah, no, like with this is a dry eye condition. So like, it makes sense. Like you need to take extra steps to help with your eyes. And I was like, see, I told these hoes that I knew (laughs) my eyes were dry and they just told me to use liquid tears. Yeah, it, it seems like your earlier doctors were kind of um, not taking not taking it super seriously. Is that how you felt? I felt that they they took it seriously in a way to benefit them. Mm, and okay. if what I needed didn't match with what they needed, then no, they did not take it seriously. Which is trash because you're the patient, right? Yeah. And it's like, and this is new information to me. You know how doctors yeah. talk to you as if like you know all these things and I've heard of Karatakotas before and I know what it means. And Absolutely. like, and it's like, you're saying big words. I don't understand what any of these things mean. Like, I just know I'm constantly going to the eye doctor. I'm constantly having dry eye and pain. And like, you know, when you're driving or like you're out in the sun, like in your eyes are dry like that. It's like, I can't just pull over on the freeway to like put some liquid tears in my eyes yeah. or like, you know, sometimes I would have to like just carefully blink a lot because I'd be a lot of the times that happen when I'm driving, especially like mm. um, extreme weather, really affects my eyes when it's really cold, when it's really hot. Smells like cooking oils, onions, mm. garlic, yeah. all the things I love. But if it's too much in the air, my eyes are are watering and burning. Wow. Okay. So you you got these contacts, mm-hmm. and did that? How much did that help your vision? It definitely helped. It okay. helped a lot. Um, and this is where my, my memory gets blurry because something happened where I stopped using those. Um, I don't remember if it was that they were either slightly getting better or it was like these are, they were so difficult yeah. that I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I believe that's what <laughs> happened. It's when I tried to call my mom and ask her if she remembered, but I haven't heard from her yet. So yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know if she remembers. But something happened where I stopped using them. And so I just went blind and was like, you know what? It's fine. I'm just going to wing it. Yes, my life is blurry, but, you know, wow, we'll deal with it because... It, it was easier to just be blind than to deal with yeah. these contacts. To That's, deal with the ugh. contacts, to deal with the constant dry eye and pain, and yeah. just having no answers. Yeah. So I did that for a little bit, and then, like, thank God, my mom went to... Uh, my mom goes to Target Optical, and there happened to be a on-call or someone filling in from the normal eye doctor who was a black woman. And she had mentioned my condition to her and she was like, Oh, I know the specialty clinic in Kirkland, which I believe I was living in Kirkland at the time. And it was like a two minute drive from my house. And she was like, (laughs) Oh, this doctor specializes in this in Washington. Like you should go to him. And my mom was like, Oh my gosh, can you give me the number? So I went to them. Um, I ended up meeting with um, another woman who works there who like, she's also the head of of all this stuff and so i met with her she was amazing and got me 
a different kind of contacts was like, okay, yes, you should actually get that eye freezing surgery. Cause by the time I saw her, it had been a few years since then. So they mm-hmm. actually had the trial happen. It was approved. So like, this was a, a thing they were now doing for patients. And so yeah. she was like, Oh, I think you should try this. You're not a Guinea pig anymore. Right. There's a little bit more security. Right. And it was yeah. funny though. Cause when she said that, I was like, Hmm, homeboy told me that a couple of years ago, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't trust him at the time. Um, yeah. And, you know, you I know. mean, who knows? Something could have gone wrong. Like, follow your gut. Right, exactly. And it just didn't feel right. It, did, it yeah. felt like he was really pushing it on me. And it yeah. was like, I don't want to be forced into this decision. Because it's also two grand. Like, I'm yeah. a, we're a family of five. It's not like you just have two grand lying around, you know? And if you totally. do, that's awesome. Good for you. But, like, I didn't. If you don't trust your surgeon, it's awful. I mean, if, if someone's doing something to you that could have lifelong repercussions, you have to have a good feeling about them. Right. And that, and they don't know what the repercussions are yet because it's right. still new. So it's like, yeah. and I'm, I'm sure even now it's like, we know that it helps, but no one has lived long enough to know the, sure. the long repercussions. It's funny. We talked about that with LASIK as well, where it's like, mm. it hasn't been around long enough to really know the long-term effects. So granted, right. it seems like people have been fine, yeah. but it's like, oh yeah, I'm, Oh, I don't know. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I went to this other doctor. She was amazing. I got a new pair of contacts. So these ones are also the RGP, but they were bigger. They were the size of about a normal contact, and they okay. fit the entire eye. These ones were also glass, mm-hmm. like but like full real glass. Um, they cost anywhere between six hundred and nine hundred dollars per contact, Oof. which is not fully covered by insurance either. Um, because it's, you know, that thing of like, once you either get a pair of contacts or you get a pair of glasses. And I had gotten just a crappy pair of glasses because I was like, I'm still blind. I need something. Yeah. So I had to pay the like 1600 out of pocket to get these contacts. That helped though. And they were amazing because they're so much bigger. What you do to put them in is you have to use tools. You have like a little plunger that you use to take them out. <laughs> There's like another little suction, bigger plunger thing that you set the contact in you fill it up with like a liquid solution and then you have to like lean over the sink, open up your eye with your eyelids and then shove the plunger with the contact (laughs) up exactly perfectly in the center of your eye. Wow. And then you look and make sure there are no air bubbles because if there are air bubbles, you have to take it out and do it again because it's a lot of pain. But you put the liquid in because of the dry eyes. And so that way your eyes constantly have like a liquid to help. And then if it and my eyes would get extra dry. So I would do that a couple times a day and like take them out halfway through the day, add more solution, put them back in. Holy crap. Okay, so you're holding solution under the glass Mm -hmm. on your eye. Yes. So it's like a... Like a slow release of solution. <laughs> yes, exactly. And she was yeah. like, you can do this with any contacts. Like if you have regular mm. contacts and you do have drier eyes, just put the liquid tears in the contact oh, and it'll help. It, as a that's so interesting. Like when you finally see the specialist who knows what they're talking mm-hmm. about and they can give you the life hack that just changes everything. Mm-hmm. That's It's so interesting how like there's just gaps in knowledge of so many doctors right yep exactly or like there's so many specific avenues that you can yeah. be a specialist in where it's exactly. like oh you can specialize in the same disease but in two different avenues of it oh you know yeah, where it's totally. like he my other doctor went in the the avenue of like freezing the cornea and like stopping mm-hmm. helping stop the progression of the disease versus the doctor who like has the solutions to help 
with the in the now of like yeah, how do yeah. we help while you don't have that yeah oh fascinating wow okay so you got these better contacts i got these better contacts which were great they were still you know a pain because i have yeah. to if i lost the tools like i'd have to buy a whole new kit i just um, can't stop thinking about mini plungers now <laughs> seriously if i i'll have to look up a picture and show it to you because they were these two little little tools were like i had without them i could not put the contact in or out i remember one time i lost the plunger to take it out and you're not supposed to sleep in them and i couldn't get it out and i try to like there's ways online where you can kind of like put your fingernail under the contact oh, and push God. it out oh so yeah sorry <laughs> warning I'm a little queasy about eyes sorry warning yeah, yeah. <laughs> after the fact <laughs> but um I called to be like, is there any way I can come buy one? And she was like, the office is closed until like Monday. And so I think I slept in them for like two days, which is not good. And then. Wow. Can that like scratch your eyes? Yeah. 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 So. I mean, it it sounds like a lot of this can scratch your eyes. You have glass on your eyes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There must be danger involved in that. I I guess, but I don't know because they're made for that. So, but, but again, you can't put them in without the solution. So, which is why, because, yeah, I guess it would scar and, like, rub up against the problem in the first place. So Yeah, wow, crazy. Uh, And so hard, because one time my contact dropped on the ground, and as I was trying to find it, I stepped on it, and it shattered. Yeah, And I remember I burst into tears, so I was like, this is another $800. Oh, my God, I can't even imagine. Having something that small and that fragile and that expensive... It sounds so stressful. Right. And then it's glass, so it like blends into the ground. Sure. And I remember I was supposed to go to work and I called. I worked at Starbucks at the time and I was like, I'm not coming. Like, I can't see. And without, you know, having one eye completely blurred and the other one in complete focus, I was wow. like, I'm going to have headaches. Like, this is, I'm yeah. not going to be able to work today. And I just cried. <laughs> it's like, such uh, a cruel joke to be looking for the thing that helps you see. Right. <laughs> that is so, right. but you can't see it because you're, you, obviously you don't have one in if you're looking for it. Yeah. So, ugh. and it's like, there's no, I, there's no way to tell which way it went because they're also like blending into the floor. So when you're trying to look for it and you step backwards, that's exactly what happened to me was I stepped backwards and crunch. Mm. And oh. I was like, how did it even get back there? Oh no. Like, I don't know how it got behind me. And I remember just being like, this is, I, how am I going to live my whole life <laughs> like this? Because, like, I don't yeah. know how long this is for, you know? Um, so then with that, we talked about going to the uh, a different eye specialist who specialized in the freezing pro- uh, procedure, mm-hmm. which, again, that is, they freeze the cornea where it's at so that it doesn't progress anymore. Yeah. And then I would continue to wear the contacts just, and it would just be frozen in time, pretty much. Um, so we went to him, found out that my left eye was too far gone. They were wow. like, it's too bad. It's deteriorating too much. And we don't, there's like a certain percentage that they have ever tried. And mine was like, I think a percentage and a half lower than the baseline. And mm. so they were like, there are a lot of risks if we tried to continue that we don't know. So like, I'm not comfortable with doing it for you. Yeah. If you really felt passionate about it, we could try. But, you know, if a doctor is like, I'm not comfortable doing this, I'm not going to be like, do it anyway, doc. You see people do that in movies. I'm like, y'all, I know this is for cinematic effect. But, like, even if the the doctor says, I I don't know, I'm I'm not going to try to have him risk my eye for science, you know. And he doesn't want to either. Absolutely. You know, when I was younger, I felt differently about this than I do now. But the older I get... And the more experience I have with, like, doctors doing things and things not going exactly as planned, I've realized that, you know, 
the the risks often don't outweigh the benefit. Mm, yeah. And it's really hard to figure out as a layperson when that's true and when it's not. And, you know, like we said before, you just got to follow your gut. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So he then recommended me to the doctor I have now, Dr. Rockus, who lives in Seattle, um, who is uh, also a cornea transplant specialist. And wow. like, this is pretty much, it's his own private practice. This is what he does. So he was like, hey, go to Dr. Rockus. Like, you should see what he says. Because either he'll say, yes, get surgery, or he'll say, no, I think you can do the freezing procedure. Okay. So I went to him. This is like the third, you know, person I'm referred to. And I'm yeah. like, okay, like, I hope this man has an answer because my eyes were also getting tired. Like, I could just mm. feel it being harder to see. My right eye is a lot better than my left. So that was the other hard part was that mm. half of my vision just was not as strong. Sure. Um, and around this time, too, I believe one of my contacts broke again oh, God. <laughs> and i i wish i could fully remember like what exactly happened but my doctor was like you need to give your left eye a break and so don't wear anything and like it's going to be hard to have like your left eye without a contact in your right eye with so mm-hmm. one of the things that could help is to wear an eye patch so that mm-hmm. only your right eye is doing that and i was like you know what I'm going to take the eye patch. So we yeah. went, bought an eye patch from the store. The first day I had an eye patch, I also had a date, of course, that night. And I was <laughs> like, I can't believe I'm going on this date with a freaking eye patch, yeah. like a pirate. And I wore an eye patch probably for about a month. Was, I remember that. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I, we knew each other then. And yeah. like, I had friends. It was so sweet. They like bedazzled eye patches I for me. Vividly. I still have them. Just yeah. in case, you never know. Um, the bedazzled eye patch. Yeah, I, I saw you perform in a bedazzled. I eye know. Patch. It was uh, yeah. this concert series I've always wanted to do. It was yeah. my first time ever doing it. And is it new, new seasons or new no. voices? New, vo- new seasons. Mm, <laughs> new it's, like, it's a grocery store. <laughs> new voices. <laughs> oh really? I've never heard of new seasons. There used to be one, but it closed. Oh, I think that sounds like a hotel. I think it comes from um, Oregon, from Portland or something. Oh, that makes sense. It was great. I miss it. New season. There was one in Fremont, but it closed. Come get some salami. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Come, now I'm just imagining you in an eye patch, bedazzled, singing inside of a grocery store. Right? <laughs> With my snack of salami. <laughs> like, that's the dream, yeah. I guess. Or I, not. Yeah, I remember you wearing the eye patch. It's the first I ever knew that you were going through anything like this at all. Um yeah. Yeah, that was kind of the public statement mm-hmm. because of this concert series and like it's an eye patch. Like how do you and I'm a very social person as well. Yeah. But also a private person. Like I don't think really anyone knew what was going on unless like we talked about it specifically. But otherwise, you know, it's like either always having contacts with glasses. So yeah. it's like you would never know. Yeah, you'd mentioned to me in passing that you had bad vision and that was the extent of it. Yeah, that was the most. I don't like to. I don't, it's not that I don't like to talk about it, but I'm one where it's like, oh, well, I don't, I don't need to bore all you with my problems or like, you know, I, I'm not trying mm. to put anything on you. So like, yeah, yeah this is a thing. And it was that really was like the, OK, well, I guess people are going to know whether I want them to or not, because I have a bedazzled eye patch with a lightning bolt on it. So <laughs> <laughs> like this, this is, I have to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, which I did kind of, you know, like still kept some details to myself. I really just told people like, yeah, like, you know, I have to take a break from my contact in my left eye. And so to make it easier on my right eye, I'm wearing, I'm choosing to wear an eye patch mm-hmm. until we can figure out my next steps. Yeah. Um, so then I went to the specialist, um, Dr. Rockus. He was like, I think we should do the surgery. 
and I that was in it's been two years since my left eye. What's what year are we in? Twenty twenty one. So yeah, that was in twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen that I got the like you should do a surgery, and I was like, great, the, I'm an the artist. Cornea the cornea transplant. Okay. Yeah, um, pretty much. He was saying my left eye is is rapidly decreasing. And it would just make more sense to just do the full cornea transplant, where wow. literally they just take out your cornea and give you a new one. And that's like the last line of defense yes. for this condition? I believe so. Like mm-hmm. The freezing doesn't work, the contacts aren't working. Mm-hmm. This is like the most dangerous, most extreme thing that we can do for this condition, is just to throw this cornea out and try another one. Yes, exactly. Wow. Where does Where does the cornea come from? Uh, you, it's an organ you can donate. So when you're wow. an organ donor, that is something that they also take. Wow. So, Did you have feelings about that? Uh, not really. I'm also an or- organ donor. Mm-hmm. Like, I- I've always just been like, oh my gosh, if my body, if I'm not in my body anymore, give it, give whatever you need to to somebody else. Like, I, I would same. much rather. So yeah. I didn't really, it's funny, I didn't really think twice about it until after my surgery, I got a letter from the organization saying like, hey, you can write a letter to the family of whose cornea you got. Wow. And I was like, and like, tell them your story. I was like, oh, this is somebody else's cornea. And people yeah. would joke of like, oh, what if you see things from their life, you oh, know, wow. and like ghosts of their story. And I was like, okay, that is too much. Like, I'm not <laughs> trying to see someone else's life in my eyes. Like, no, thank you. Wow. And I never, I wish I would have sent the letter. I never ended up doing it. I was like, I'm going to do this. And then just life happened. Yeah. Um, but that's when it was like, oh, this is really some, this was into somebody else's eyeball. Wow. That's intense. That's real. And like the fact that the cornea is, the f- most front part of your eye. Like at first I was like, where is the cornea? And yeah, there's like the, that's what I'm wondering right now. Yeah. There's the, <laughs> like the, the main film of like the eyeball. And then the cornea, I believe is the very first mm. thing inside. And it's almost kind of like a little pebble or almost like a, a, uh, <laughs> I almost think of it too. as like a, like a, the, kind of things you get for like a boob implants like the jelly the, things the silicone yeah like the silicone it looks like a really tiny little silicone bubble wow. that's in your eye and then underneath is like the pupil and like all those other things okay because i was like if i get a new cornea i'm gonna change my eye color and they're like that's not that's not what the cornea is i was like oh okay it doesn't change the appearance of the eye really at all right no yeah. um you can kind of see if you look really closely there is like in my right eye i still have the stitches and like the sutra i believe it's called so like it, there's kind of like a light blue ring around my eye oh but my eyes are still brown which i love my eyes but i was like wouldn't it be cool to be like can i please request a hazel yeah cornea <laughs> or like you know with like a hint of sea foam <laughs> so you. what was the surgery like the surgery was, I've only ever been under one other time, mm-hmm. so it was very nerve-wracking, but pretty much it's so super easy procedure. The cornea is actually the easiest organ to operate on with the highest success rate of healing. Mm. So that made me feel really good, and Dr. Rockus is older, and he's like, I've been doing this forever, like... I have your back. He's a such a kind doctor. He's so sweet. And he just would always, he'd come in and be like, okay, take care of her. Like, she's one of my favorites. Make sure, you know, she's comfortable and whatnot. Not. So, um, the, cor- the procedure itself was very easy. I mean, I just went under and then I woke up with um, gauze and tape on my eye. And yeah. Like, when you go in for surgery, you don't have to do anything. They right. put you to sleep, you right. wake up, and it's done. Though the the experience itself was terrible. We went to Swedish, and we were waiting for hours. Oh, yeah. Like, they, um, 
they had a new system, I guess, that they to enter information. So oh, everyone gosh. was just frazzled. Oh. I had to like do the whole questionnaire like three times of like my name, like all the information. Why are you here? What are your past things? Cause like we did it with one person and we go somewhere else and they'd be like, Oh, sorry, it's not here. We got to ask you again. <laughs> and it just was, I don't remember all of it because I, I was so over it, but the people were not nice. Like we were waiting for hours, like the room that we were supposed to go in, the other procedure went longer. So like my doctor too, we were all just sitting around waiting. Cause he doesn't work for Swedish, he just uses their operating rooms. Okay. And so it was just, it was not a good experience to get the surgery itself. But once I did, it was all smooth. I think it's maybe like an hour procedure. Wow. Super quick. Um, Yeah, they just go in there. I won't go all the detail because like, so you don't get squeamy. No, do it, do it. But pretty much they, yeah, they like cut open the, the first part and take the cornea out, put the cornea in, sew it back up. There's like a bajillion mini stitches. And I believe they put the little like suture thing in to help it stay in place. Okay. Are they dissolving stitches? Or do you have to go back and have them removed? I have to go back and have them removed. Oh, geez. <laughs> Which is, oof. One time they tried to numb me and it didn't work all the way. And it is painful, let me tell you. Oh, my to God. To feel them cut them. Because he'll probably take out maybe like eight to ten at a time, maybe a little more. There, I'm telling you, there are like hundreds of stitches in there. Wow. I believe. I don't know how it works. I don't know if it's like a little sewing machine <laughs> that they like <laughs> stitch in there, but for the number of stitches I feel like I've had cut, yeah, I'm like I don't know how you get all those in there, and they're so small. Wow! So when you wake up from the surgery, can you see, or is there how how does that work? No, so pretty much you have like uh, I have like the gauze and such over my eye. Um, and your eye is pretty swollen mm. shut for a while. Okay. It's about a I would say it was about a month that I was in bed, you know? I mean, granted, like, you can move around. Like, after, like, a week or so, you're pretty good to move, but your eye is super sensitive to any kind of light. Um, So it's pretty much you change the gauze every day, like, wipe it clean because it kind of, like, oozes and gets kind of gross. And there's an eye guard that I have to sleep with that I tape over my eye so that I don't roll over it or bump it in my sleep. And that I have to sleep with usually for a few months. Okay. Maybe even, like, six to eight just so that, you know, I don't mess up all the work that they did. Sure. Um, And that part is exhausting because it's like you have to put the guard on there's like all this tape and then you wake up in the morning you take it off and your face is so sticky yeah and so it's trying to like and you you were given stuff to like help wipe it off but it's just like my face like i wish there was goo gone for the face (laughs) it just (laughs) it was so gross and having to reapply it every day for months for months oh my gosh i remember just always being like can i take it off now and he's like no (laughs) i'm like okay um those little things can be so frustrating. <sighs> like, I've had an ear tube in my right ear for the last, like, nine months. Ugh. So, every time I shower, I have to put, um, like, Neosporin, or not Neosporin, uh, Vaseline on a cotton ball and put it in my ear. Ugh. And if it ever leaks, it gets infected, and I have to put drops in it for, like, a week or something, and, and that's happened several times. And it's just like, Ugh. I just want... To be able to get my head wet. Right. It's like, I just want to shower. (laughs) Yeah, It's like, I just want to sleep. And the first time, like, I was not sleeping because I would have such bad anxiety over, like, messing it up. And luckily, they give you 
is it oxy whatever helps you sleep and like pain reliever mm-hmm. the, you know you take that i have to go maybe just for like a week because they're like okay you're definitely gonna like feel the pain you know this will help you sleep and get comfortable but i would just be so anxious of like i don't want to mess it up and it's like weird that you're not using half of your face like I, you probably don't start seeing anything for about one to two months wow like, oh my god that must be so see. hard to wait it, yeah it's not like darkness but yeah. it's absolute blurriness so it doesn't okay. start to clear up i would say even for like six months or so wow, maybe even like very very slowly it's like but, your brain needs time to understand yeah. how to use this new cornea. Yeah, and then there's also a period where it could reject it. So there's, sure, um, yeah. I would take steroids um, and antibiotics for it just to help with the healing, and yeah. and I still do actually take them because um, I. So that happened. You're still taking steroids. I yeah. Is it prednisone. Uh yeah, pred. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> it's like in a little white bottle with a pink cap. <laughs> it's, it's or it's close. I think it's like prednisolone. Okay, some like derivative. It's, of- yeah, it's like its cousin for the eye. Yeah. Oh wow, fast. Okay, so you have to. Do you have to be on that long term just to keep it from rejecting? Not necessarily. My problem is that when it wasn't hurting, I would forget to take it because it's like, oh, I would take this. The reminder of this was because it was aching mm-hmm. and it would start to get better and then I'd forget and then they'd be like, hey, your eye's not doing great. How often are you taking the drops? And I'm like, you know, funny story, doc. <laughs> I was totally taking them several times a day and then I wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> and that was like two months ago. Yeah, Andy's the same way. She has the hardest time remembering to take stuff every day. It's a skill. Like, it takes some practice, you know? Right. Like, I, at one point, when I was seeing this naturopath, he had me taking, like, 30 pills a day. Ugh. And I got to the point where if I didn't have to take something, I felt like I was doing it wrong. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I just got so used to doing it. Yep. Now, if I, like, go to sleep without taking pills or something, there's this part of my brain right when I get to bed that's always like, wait, you didn't take anything. You can't go to sleep yet. Right. It's like, <laughs> hold on. Yeah. I wish I was that way. And the hard thing was, like, being in theater, too. Like, I would set myself alarms and reminders. But mm-hmm. it's like, I can't have that go off mm-hmm. during rehearsal or during a show. Yeah. And, like, I can't always go do it right away. Yeah. So, it's just like, well, I am... Um, I need to be better at remembering, which I didn't. So, and like, it's funny because even like going backwards a little. So in 2018, we were like, we'll plan for the surgery. And I was like, hey, I'm in three shows back to back. (laughs) So like, how do we make this so that I can get it done? But like, I need to wait until I think June. And this was like at the end of 2018. Uh And they're like, you know what? It should be okay. Like, it should be fine. And we got to, I think, um, we were doing Year in Town, which I was doing with Andy in 2019. Yeah. And it got to a point where they were like, we need to do this now. Because like, your eyes deteriorating Yeah, so it was like, it is getting to a point where this could rupture. And oh, my God. So you you have to do this. And I was yeah. like, great. My last day is, um, I think, like, June 2nd or something. Like, let's do it. But I had, of course, already signed on to another project. So yeah. I was like, hey... And the hard thing is they're like, pretty much you just have to wait for the phone call. They're like, we'll let you know when a room's open. So oh, you'll God. get a call and they'll be like, hey, next week we have an opening. Are you 
can you do this? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. So I had to tell this other show, like, hey, I'm, I need eye surgery. Like, they say that I should be functional in a few weeks afterwards, but, like, I'm going to need at least, like, two weeks off. Yeah. And they're like, great, do it. So wow, I got the surgery. That's so lucky. Got a lot of a yeah. lot of productions wouldn't be that kind. Oh yeah, and we had so much time. I think we started rehearsing the beginning of June, and like we went up middle-ish to the end of July. Was that Spelling Bee? No, this was um, a show with Cafe Nordo. It was called Seventh and Jackson. Okay, and it was like a last minute. I think I was like a replacement. And mm. so it was a very last minute ask. I was supposed to have the whole summer off. So it was like, great, we'll have the surgery. And then I was like, well, now I'm doing the show. So I think two weeks after the surgery, I went back to rehearsal. Or wow. maybe even like, I no, I think after a week, I went to rehearsal. And then like, we were in tech and I would have to like wear sunglasses on stage because it, my eye was so sensitive to light yeah. that it just was like, okay, I'm going to just keep these on. And then we perform, and then like performance came, and it was like, oh wow, I can't believe I had a surgery a month ago, and I have this new cornea, and like, should I be doing this? Probably not, but, <laughs> but here I am. am. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I had the left one. The left one was doing well. Um, that was 2019, 2020. Um, we decided to do the right eye because they were like, the right eye is going to need this as well. Wow. And it was actually almost exactly to the year of my left eye that I got the right eye done. Um, oh wow, you've had dual cornea transplants at this point yes yeah, so wow. it was like okay the right the left eye but the thing is we had to wait till the left eye got to a certain point because mm-hmm. i couldn't just not see out of both eyes you yeah. know they were like we have to wait for the left and then they're like the right eye is starting to get worse and you know it was scary because we were in the pandemic and so it was like mm. this is towards the beginning of the pandemic and it was like do we do this and they're like we have an opening next week if you want to do it and i was like you know what Let's do it. And that was the first time I got a COVID test, which was great. That was the easiest COVID test I've ever had. And I was like, everyone else, I don't know why it's so much worse. Because this guy barely went up my nostril was like, eat, eat, eat. And he was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> and I was like, seriously, COVID tests are a breeze. And so yeah. when I went to the drive-thru with Soto, they went up both nostrils. I was like, all the way up. they didn't do this at Swedish. <laughs> like, what uh, is this? Yeah, um, I've had yeah. like four-ish COVID tests, maybe five and... It really depends on who's doing it. Oh, it really yeah. does. Ugh. But the drive-thru in Soto, I feel like I've had, they're always really nice. And it goes by pretty fast. I used to get one done once a month just to make sure because they were free. Oh, wow. And I was just want to make sure what I was doing was working, you know, of like, okay. Sure. And I lived with my dad at the time who is very high risk yeah. um, and is not able to get vaccinated. So it's like, mm. okay, let me just, for him, for myself, like I have people in my bubble. I want to make sure I can keep seeing them. So I'm just going to keep getting tested. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so then, yeah, in June of last year, got the right eye done, which was so strange to be like, I'm at a hospital getting a surgery during the panorama. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it all went well. The right eye is healing great. Both eyes are healing great now. Um, but it's so interesting because at first I couldn't have glasses because I needed the direct contact on the cornea. Mm-hmm. Now I have to wear glasses because the eyes are healing and I can't have contact on the cornea. Hmm. Um, so now my only form of sight is glasses. Um, both eyes are healing, but they still get very dry. Um, still, my right eye right now is at a point where it's fluctuating it's at a point where it could be rejecting the cornea so Mm. we've like upped the steroids that i'm taking and the antibiotics um i go back on tuesday to see how it's doing i have like a timer on my phone and like on my watch to make sure i'm taking them four or five times a day because they are like we don't want to have to do if this rejects it we're gonna have to do another surgery 
and nobody wants that. Like, yeah, what what happens if it if it's rejected? You you have to try with a different cornea. I think so because wow. what was happening is there would be days where like my eye was super red. It's so sensitive to light where like any form of light, my eye would burn and I'd get like headaches like far in the back of my head. Like it's like oh I can feel where my eye is connected to my brain. Oh yeah, because that's where the pain is. Wow. And so I was like I couldn't barely keep my eye open, and I was like, hey, I think I need to come in. And so I came in, and he was like are you taking your drops? And I was like, <laughs> you know, yeah, what I remember. And he was like, you have to take your drops. We're at the point where it's trying to connect, you know, it's trying to um, reject the cornea. Mm. And like, you have to keep taking the drops because that's what's going to make your eye heal. And I yeah. was like, great. Thanks for letting me know because I didn't actually know what these antibiotics were doing. Like I realized I was just told to take them. I was never really told why. And maybe that's a common sense thing, but like, I'm not, this is the only medical, the only other thing I've ever had was my tonsils taken out. So it's like, I don't really know what these things do. So it's like, okay, maybe if I understood that better, I would be better at it. But now I know. So now I'm taking them, doing, I have the reminders, trying to do the work um, so that that doesn't happen. My right, it's funny though that my right eye got the surgery earliest, but it is healing faster. Like I can see a lot better out of my right eye without glasses in my left, but still blurry for both eyes. Like I definitely still need something to see. Mm. Um, so it's a very long journey. It can be very frustrating to like go and do the eye exam and try to do the letters and still not be able to see anything. And like, it's just like, why is this not happening? I would think it would be happening faster, but you know, healing takes time. And it's not like now that I have these, I will have perfect vision. It's definitely just more like now, maybe I can have a regular prescription versus like right now, I think my left eye glasses is like negative seven. Wow. You know, point whatever. So it's like, you know. Yeah. You're just like trying to stay ahead of this thing that keeps trying to take your vision away. Yeah. And you're just like trying all these different things, increasing in risk. I mean, is there, there must be a risk in these surgeries that you could lose vision. Is that true? You did say that the the cornea transplants are like pretty safe. Yeah, they're pretty high success rate. That doesn't. Okay. I'm sure that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. Yeah. Um. Because I I would assume the only other then option is a glass eye, and you just don't have the sight in it. Yeah. You know, right? Because you can't see out of a glass eye. No. Yeah. So, um. Yeah. I don't know what those risks are. I think it's just a pain to have to have surgery and recover from it. Yeah. So now that you have new corneas. Um, what is the long-term prognosis? Is this a type of, uh, I'll, what's the name? Krakatoa? <laughs> Krakatoa. That sounds like a planet as well. Karatoconus. Karatoconus. Um, does this continue to affect your eyes even with new corneas? You know, that I don't know. But you know, that's actually something I've never thought to ask hmm. because it's like, oh, I did the thing. Yeah. I still have astigmatism in both eyes. I believe I have less of astigmatism in both eyes afterwards, but I still have them. So that also was affecting the vision. Um, but that's a good question to ask because I'm also the kind of person where like I do get very overwhelmed being at the doctor. So I mm-hmm. feel like I don't know what kind of questions to ask or I don't think about it. And with COVID, like you can't really bring people anymore. Like my mom was always the person who was like, what about this? What about this? What about that? And I'm like, oh my gosh, mom. But I'm also like, oh, but thank you because I'm just trying to take in all the information that like I'm not 
it, it doesn't click to me to ask these kind of questions because I'm just trying to ingest even what you're telling me, you know? Sure. Um, so, but that is a good question to find out. How did you live with the fear of your eye rupturing? For all those oh years. my gosh, I just didn't think about it. I was yeah. like, la la la, if, it, if <laughs> I don't think about it, it's not real. But also, but when it got closer to surgery and then we were just like waiting to have the surgery so it doesn't happen, that was terrifying. Yeah. And I was also, we were doing urine town at the time. And so like I knew when the show was over, I had to have the surgery. And so it was also just strange to be like oh is this the day that my eye just ruptures i also don't know what that looks like is my eye gonna explode is it something that it's internally and i just look and my eye is just like disgusting all of a sudden like they never said what that would mean to me that sounds like an explosion i don't i don't think that's what happens but it's like i'm just waiting for my eye to explode that's terrifying and plus you're like singing and dancing and running and jumping like you're in town was a really physical show it was a very physical my character was pregnant the whole time so i had like an extra belly as well so it was like (laughs) nice sweating you know good workout but it was and just not fully always being able to see i believe i did have the contacts at the time Mm -hmm. but like years before that i would just do shows completely blind wow like i remember in 2015 actually i did grease with andy and what i would do is i would just memorize where the edge of the stage was and like where the wings were so that i wouldn't fall off but otherwise it was like completely bored vision and nobody knew it was just myself being like great this is what i'm gonna do for me so I can keep doing my craft because I don't want people to treat me different or or be like or not cast me you know because Mm. it's like oh well oh you can't see the floor or like I can't tell where the end of the floor is so I'm just gonna walk around kind of memorize it and then do the thing that's amazing you just like keep your head down and go yeah you know you don't think about I mean, a, a lot of people, myself included, I think, have a tendency to spin out about things and sometimes get paralyzed by worry. And it sounds like you're able to just shut those voices off and just do what you need to do, no matter what, and get the thing done, which is very admirable. Yeah, it also could be a curse, too, because <laughs> with that is why I don't take the drops, why mm. I forget things, because it's like, oh, I'm not going to let this quote-unquote take over yeah but i can't but there's a line between not letting take over and ignoring and ignoring the signs and being like oh well it'll be fine if i yes i haven't taken my job so like one more one more month won't hurt you know and then i don't and then it's like this is getting worse so Mm. that's something i'm trying to be better at of like not completely like almost being in denial Mm. you know not letting that take over either interesting does that help with this um, I mean, I think other people also sometimes get stuck in the anger that, like, I have this thing to deal with that no one else has to deal with, and it's not fair. Like, do you ever mm-hmm. get stuck in that anger? No. I think because it's like, this is the hand I'm dealt with, and I just got to figure it out. Yeah. And <laughs> I, awesome. I don't know. And I guess maybe because I go to an office where there's a lot of other people, but again, it's all older people. Like, this really is only common usually. Not only, but it mostly happens later in life. So the fact that it happened early, it's like, it's great that we caught it early, but also interesting that we caught it so early. Cause it's like all, I've never seen anyone even close to my age in his office. It's probably at least 20 to 30 years old, older and older than that. So it's, 
Yeah. So, and I mean, granted, both my parents wear glasses. So it's like, okay, I always knew I probably would have to have something, but I don't know why it was this extreme. Hmm. But I don't know. I guess I'm just the kind of person where it's like, you know what? I, I have to deal with this. Part of it's denial sometimes. <laughs> Part of it is the re- I'm being faced with the reality and I just have to make the choices and do what's best because I can't not see you know yeah like that's not really an option so we're yeah. just gonna i'm gonna wear the eye patch and and i'm so thankful i got bedazzled ones because it was great conversation starters you know <laughs> like it was kind of fun yeah it was strange but it was wow. fun you know i'm i'm continually fascinated by what medical science is capable of right that's so real yeah it's i mean the fact that the fact that we're able to know um this disease exists if we if we take your cornea out and put another one in, that'll fix it. Like, even that alone is just, like, completely mind-blowing. Right. But it's, it's also so interesting that there was all these gaps along the way of doctors not really giving you the full picture or all the options that you needed or a clear picture of what was next. Um, I, you know, there's this disconnect in the, in the medical sciences of, like, the human element. Yeah. 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 Was that frustrating for you along the way? Oh yeah. And it was funny because it was only really when I had a female doctor that Mm. I feel like I had the most answers and she was super nice. She was actually probably about my age as well. Oh wow. Maybe like a couple years older, but she was pretty young. Um, And so I felt like she was able to say, okay, this is what's happening. This is what we need to do. Like we'll fit you for new con because then like every year I had to get new contacts, which is so annoying. Because again, that's like another sixteen, eighteen hundred bucks, you know, oh, yeah. for these contacts. But it was like I have answers, and we're constantly checking in. She's constantly telling me what my eyes are doing, and it was just nice to have that full transparency. And then when I had like again, I love my surgeon; he's amazing. But a lot of times he would literally come in the room and be like, "Great, your eye looks better. See ya in three weeks." And I'm like, hold on, hold on. I just had surgery. Like, what is happening with my eye? What are the next steps? How is it healing? <laughs> exactly. You know, but it would just be like, great. Okay, it's it's healing. Or like, huh, I wish your eye was looking a bit better. Well, come back in in a couple of weeks and we'll see what happens. Okay, that's terrifying. Right, and I'm like, sir, I need you to like, and it's funny because then I'd be like, okay, and I'd leave my mom and be like, okay, what do you say about this? What do you say about this? And I'd be like, oh, I don't know, I didn't ask. And she's like, why didn't you ask? And I'm like, well, I don't know, he's a doctor. Yeah. So it's like learning, like, okay, I do need to ask the questions of like, yeah. and then they actually, so, and then eventually when you come in, he'll take out a row of stitches because that helps the healing process once you get to a certain point. Like every time I'd go in every like, three weeks or one month or two months and be like, okay, let's take out a row of stitches and that should help with the healing process. Granted, I don't know why still, yeah, but it's like, okay, I, I trust you and I need to learn how to advocate for myself better because. Mm, and that's the balance yeah. for sure. It's like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I run into this all the time where like my doctors will just drop off the face of the earth and I feel like my life is hanging in the balance and I'm right. like, you have not answered my questions from weeks ago. And I, you know, yesterday I called the doctor's office and I'm like, I haven't heard back from the last several times I've written in. Um, yeah. And like, oh yeah, 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 she's going to get back to you, you know, mm-hmm. she was out of the office. It's like, it just really feels like if you don't keep pushing, things will just stop. You know, Right, and I get that people are busy, but at the same yeah. time it's like, but if I'm your patient... I got to be your patient and right. I also have to be a priority and like, yeah. you know, so yeah. yeah. It, but I'm very fortunate that like, like you said, it's like there are steps and cures, you know, mm. like I'm so lucky that it's like at the end of the day, 
worst case scenario, you get a new cornea. But that's still a solution and an answer, which mm. I know a lot of people, you know, like yourself, don't have. So yeah. I think that's also why maybe it's a little easier because I know there are steps. Like if A doesn't work, there's B, there's C, there's D, there's E. And maybe E is the most extreme, but there at least is an E. Yeah. Well, I mean, nothing you just described sounded easy to me at right. all. I think that your <laughs> attitude is exceptional. I think that you're, um, the way that you've handled it and processed it, there's like an ease to it that is really kind of astonishing, which is really impressive and amazing. And, you know, and like you said, there's a balance to that where like sometimes you forget to take your drops because like your your ease is is mm-hmm. like so easy that these drops are <laughs> yeah. you know not even on your, not even on your mind. But right. um, but yeah, I mean, what a what a journey, you know. And hopefully, I mean, fingers crossed, like this will be the end of of the journey with that disease, and your cornea will mm-hmm. will stay. And you know, I just wish you all the best in the in the future. Yeah, thank you. And like maintaining your vision. I mean, what a scary thought to to not just know if you're going to lose your vision but to have an eye rupture you know right, that's absolutely right. terrifying my dad has had a lot of vision problems i mean maybe we'll have him talk about it someday on the show but yeah um he's had uh detached retinas in both eyes and oh. a ton of surgeries and actually d- has lost vision in one eye and wears an eye patch um and yeah i mean that's eye stuff scares me you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's it's intense and it can because I know like there are people in, in my life too who have had eye problems where it just a blink of an eye literally and it was like I have a cousin who uh well I was like I don't know if I say it because it's his business but like had some eye stuff pop up where he pretty much just can't see at all and it mm. happened so quickly I don't yeah. know the whole story but it was like oh your eyes are like swollen shut for the most part and like you can't find someone to help yeah and wow it's it's yeah eyes are i mean i feel like the the whole body but like when you can't see you know and it's like oh this is my livelihood and i have so much respect Mm. for those who aren't able to see or function that way like i was watching the um um uh what is it called the like special olympics oh yeah yeah and just seeing the people run and like all those things i'm like wow i am and maybe that's also what helps of like i know i'm very fortunate because it could be harder and there are people who are doing way more Mm. with their things than i am so like i'm just fortunate to have directions that i can try to choose you know? yeah andy and i just started watching season three of master chef and they're oh, saying i love master chef uh, i love it yeah i've seen it all uh, i missed one season in the middle but yeah we started watching the new season and we're like we need more so we've been watching a whole season in between each week as the new episodes are coming out mm. <laughs> <laughs> and in season three there's a blind contestant and she's just incredible yes yeah Yeah, i remember seeing about it on the news and like seeing clips about her and i was like i need to watch this season yeah she's phenomenal and i mean the more i learn about um disability and accessibility Mm -hmm. and in my own journey you know needing help getting around with the wheelchair there's just so much that you can do even if you can't do everything you know right right like so for the people I mean, even if you had lost your vision, there's still so much life to live and so much to do. And even if that means that you change gears, you know, switch professions, find something new, it can take years and it can be so painful, but there's always something new and there's always something different out there. And there's always ways to 
live like a happy and healthy and full life mm -hmm. through any challenges. It just takes time and work and can be so hard, but it's so doable. Right. Right. Yeah. Truth. Sarah, this was awesome. We've been talking about doing this for a while. I, every time we've talked about your, um, your, your eye issues in the past, I've been so interested and it's so great to finally get the whole story and yeah. like hear about all of it. You did an amazing job. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is really something I don't talk about. Like, I don't think anyone really knows any details. So it was nice wow. to have to go back and be like, Oh yeah, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> like, let's talk about it. So yeah, thank you yeah, for having me. I really absolutely. appreciate it. And you know, my hope with this show is always to find uh, it's for it to reach people going through something similar or even the same exact disease and, and hear someone else go through it and hear what the roadmap, roadmap might be. Mm. Um, but just to wrap up, if there was someone who just found out they have this disease, what would you tell them? I would tell them to ask a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. um, trust your gut, kind of like you said earlier, and try to find the right fit. Like just yeah. because you're you're matched with a doctor at first doesn't mean they have to be the doctor you go through yes. like the whole journey. Absolutely. Because um, it really <laughs> took trial and error to find the people and like in coincidence to find the right people into yeah. where I am. So really ask questions, research and know that it's gonna be okay. But it's it's definitely a difficult journey. Um but yeah, just advocate for yourself. That's fantastic advice, and I feel exactly the same way. No, no matter what you're going through, if you don't feel like your doctor is a good fit, shop around. There is no reason to to keep seeing a doctor that doesn't feel like a good fit. You're not going to get the care that you need, mm -hmm. and things can fall through the cracks that can be you know irreversible. So yeah, absolutely. you don't owe them anything, and I feel absolutely. like you feel like oh, this is my doctor, I have to stick with them. Yeah, and it's like actually no, you don't. Like yeah. you, because I, I would have never found Doctor Rockus, at least that I know of, if I hadn't gone through those two other doctors, you know, yeah. or three other doctors, because it was one to the other to the other. So you know, yeah. and that's okay, and that's normal. I mean, that's total. If you haven't tried like two or three doctors, you know try it yeah yeah <laughs> like no matter what you're going through especially especially if you're undiagnosed like me i mean i it took me a long time to realize like this i'm not making progress with this doctor yeah you know and it, it took me years to find one that i did make progress with and it just takes trial and error like sometimes it takes leaving your entire um like the whatever medical establishment you're going to sometimes it takes like switching entirely starting yeah. from scratch somewhere else yeah but i'm so glad that you found the care that you needed and you found a doctor that was a good fit um, is there anything you want to plug? Any social media that you want to direct people to? Anything like that? Oh my gosh. Uh, I have Instagram that, that I sometimes say hi on. It's uh, my handle Sriracha Cha. Uh, <laughs> that's the nickname I was trying to get. Sriracha, Sriracha but it didn't. I've been out. saying that wrong in my head for years, and your way is way better. Oh, what do you say? I think I was saying Sarah Cha Cha in my head. <laughs> Sriracha Cha well, is so much better. Trying to spell it because I think it's spelled like S A R A H A underscore cha underscore cha because yeah. i was like i i think at first it was like sarah with an aw at the end to be like sarah but then i was like <laughs> no matter what this is weird so i'm just gonna do it the way i want to and then i'll just tell people so it's sarah s-a-r-a-h-a -A, i think that's it underscore cha underscore cha nice uh and that's where i just kind of be silly and hang out otherwise I'm just here in these streets. So if you ever see me, I guess you don't see me right now, but you can say hi if your heart somehow knows it's me. Nice. And I'll, I'll tag you in the, uh, on the, 
Major Pain Instagram. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Say hi. I love people. Awesome. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks, Jesse. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons, including Naomi Adele Smith, and our $25 per month producers, including Steve Cavanaugh. Learn how you can support the show at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast.